right after uh, church, so don't forget that announcement. <clears throat> but we're glad that all of you are here, thankful for the presence of the Lord, thankful for what God is doing. I started Sunday morning on talking about having a heart for God, specifically a story about Jonathan that's found in 1 Samuel, the 13th and 14th chapters of 1 Samuel. <clears throat> it's a great story if you haven't read it and and yet um it kind of uh, there's some question as to whether chapter 16 and 17 are out of chronological order or just what went on but we know i basically began studying about all of this when i was talking about david and and then how jonathan's servant said whatever's in your heart to do let's do it and uh, Jonathan's take on it was very positive. He said, we know that God is able to help whether by many or by few. And he went out into battle and the earthquake happened and there was uh, a major uh, victory for the children of Israel. Now, <clears throat> what I, I was just talking about having a heart for God, Jonathan's heart was fixed. He was. He knew his purpose. He knew his direction. He had courage. He had faith. And those are all things that uh, we would we would applaud if somebody were a soldier. We look at Jonathan and we go, "Wow, he is. Uh, he had an amazing heart." And and what's a important about that is when you compare him to the way Saul was responding at that time. Saul was basically depressed <coughs> under a pomegranate tree and was sort of having a pity party because as you know he had about 3,000 people and uh, total <coughs> and then uh, uh, you know um, uh, an army like the sand of the sea showed up with 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and <coughs> and so he was demoralized <coughs> later uh, this army uh, <coughs> gets Goliath and then you know <coughs> what happens <coughs> in uh, later on in 16 and 17 about uh, <coughs> David uh, having the victory Excuse me. The, the point of all of this is that Jonathan uh, had this heart. And if Jonathan's heart could be so fixed, how much more should our heart be fixed? And what's amazing, and uh, Brother and Sister White asked me how old was the, what was the age difference? And probably at least 10 years, maybe more. Uh, David was probably 10 or more years younger than Jonathan. So David was probably 18 or 19, uh, 17 when he went to fight Goliath. And at that time, Jonathan was already in the army and was leading a group of men. So he was probably 28 to 30 years of age. So Jonathan could have been very jealous of David. He could have been very upset. I am sure the word had gotten around. He had been anointed king. Samuel had 
you know, gone through. And so he could have been filled with bitterness and with offense. And um, he could have had all of these unhealthy uh, heart issues, anger and unbelief. And yet somehow, uh, or fear of failure, fear of not being accepted, fear of being alone, uh, all of those things produce an unhealthy heart or the soil is not conducive to growing. Thank you, Brother Larry. Uh, is not conducive to growing uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we know that at First John, and I read this Sunday night, herein is our love made perfect, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. So what does that mean? That if you are truly, you know, in love with the Lord, there is no fear. Now, what, you know, I know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not talking about the Lord, but we know that when we have that kind of relationship with God, that nothing can harm us. Nothing can destroy us. Nothing can overwhelm us. And no matter where we are, we are not alone. No matter uh, what the world says is, well, you're a failure. If you're living for God, serving God, worshiping God, you are not a failure. I don't, I don't care whether you make a lot of money, whether you don't make a lot of money, whether you have a new house or whether you don't have a new house. There is no failure in living for God and serving God. You know, and the Lord was very clear that, that this is, you know, we are to do what is in front of us, where we are, regardless. And yet, I know it's natural and normal to have these concerns and fears. And I, I realize, you know, okay, uh, you're getting older and do you have enough in savings? Do you have enough in stocks and bonds and whatever? And as you know, there is never enough. You know, you never have enough. But you know what? The Lord is with us the Lord and when you know that I know the Lord is never going to leave us nor forsake us and I am able to say oh well are you saying don't save no are you saying don't no, try to do your best to be a good steward no but what I'm saying is that you have to have that love of God and know that I'm loved and he goes on in those verses and says Fear is not made perfect in love. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So it says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So when you have bitterness and, and you're offended, and, and, and let me tell you, you, you say, well, uh, I've never been offended. Well, that's impossible. I've never been hurt. Well, I don't know where you're living. It's not. It's impossible not to have been hurt. It's impossible for someone not to have said something, done something, not done something. Huh? Doesn't matter. No matter if the church is just me and you, at some point you're going to offend me and I'll probably offend you before you get out the door. Just impossible. 
and, and you know, you say, well, I don't, that person offends me. This one doesn't offend me. I, I mean, you can't drive to Walmart and not offend somebody. Can't go down the aisle of Walmart without offending somebody. I mean, you know, we are living in an hour of great offense. I, I mean, and, and that's part of, was a sign of the last day. Many shall be offended. And I know, you know, some of us are old enough to remember Tip O'Neill and some of the people that were giants in the Congress and were able to work with other people. And it's just not doable this time. Not doable. And you cross me, I'm coming after you. And it's a vendetta. And it doesn't matter what else you did or said. or And, and people are quick to be there. And yet, one of the reasons is the Spirit of the Lord, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so love, when you feel the love of God, it helps us to forgive. I'm just saying, when you come out of good service and you've worshiped with somebody and prayed for them and shouted and danced with them, you know, even though they were, they didn't shake your hand when you came in, you're able to go, oh, I still love you. Huh? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Loss, disappointment. Well, the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost is our comforter. It restoreth our soul, as David said. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then his presence, you know, brings restoration. So if you've lost, if there's been things, and, and I, I am sure on a Wednesday night, and there's not one person here who hasn't had loss. And if you haven't had real loss, you've had uh, imaginary loss. And what do I mean by imaginary loss? If I would have just bought Apple stock when it was $2 a share. Huh? And if I would have bought IBM when they were selling lawnmowers out of the garage and whatever. Huh? Oh, don't tell me you've never thought of those things. And you think, man, that was stupid. Why didn't I think of that? I'm going to go out there now and try to find that next, you know, whatever. If I'd have bought Bitcoin when it was just Bit. Not Sister Bit. When it didn't even have a coin to it. Well, and so when you feel those losses, you know, and, and you know, you, this is where you have the Lord. And, and I have had people that have said, Oh, I feel bad. And the enemy actually make them feel bad. Why didn't I start serving God sooner? Why didn't I do this another time? And you're like, okay, now that you are, guess what? You can spend all your time thinking about what you didn't do. And you can't produce fruit now. For worrying about, well, boy, was I stupid. Why didn't I do it? I should have, I should not have been. Well, guess what? Everybody's been disappointed. Everybody's had loss. But yet, that's where the comfort of the Holy Ghost comes in. Insecurity. You know, when you feel like, well, I'm not as talented. I'm not as good. Well, you're in good company. And Moses said he wasn't able. 
Gideon said I was, he wasn't able. You know, do people have insecurities? Sure. And yet his love, when you feel the love of God and you know, you know what? If nobody else loves me, God loves me. I'm accepted. I'm worthy. I have confidence. God esteems. God worth. Whatever. Uh, that comes through the Holy Ghost. Then anger and frustration. Uh, his love brings peace and rest. And, you know, they will tell you when you're angry, count to three, count to ten, count to six hundred million, four hundred and seventy-two. Let it go. De-stress. Take a deep breath. Relax. What are you doing? I am, you know, that's in the natural. Guess what? We have the peace of God that passes understanding. So all of a sudden, the rest wherewith to cause the weary to rest. Stammering lips and another tongue. And you know, you just get lost in the presence of the Lord and you just let the Holy Ghost begin to flow. And I know it's on a Wednesday night and you say, well, we all know this. I, I understand. That is what will clean your heart when you are overrun. And that's when you are overwhelmed, you know, this is how you cleanse it. That's why when you look at Matthew, the 22nd chapter, Mark, the 12th chapter, Luke, the 10th chapter, all said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So the first one is thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, love God, be dependent on God, and have a heart healthy with all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind. That's an independence. And then love thy neighbor. That's when you mature up to interdependence. But you cannot, I, I'm going to just tell you, and I'm not trying to be negative, but you cannot just have a love for your neighbor without a healthy heart without a healthy love for God, without that love for your neighbor becoming some kind of manipulation. You understand? Either you start looking down on them, well, I'm gonna go help those that are less fortunate because I've been so blessed. And I told you about that, you know, I've seen folks that go down to the soup line and for one night but they're, they're not doing it out of a love for them <clears throat> you understand you've got to have a you've got to have a heart that's cleansed because you can feel like man they're taking advantage this one's doing wrong that one and i've been there i understand i've looked and said man oh man and yet that's the independent interdependence when we love one another and we realize most folks are doing their best and the Bible says in Hebrews, the Word of God is sharp, quick and sharp, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we want to know what's in my heart. <clears throat> Lord, cleanse my heart. Create in me, David said. What? A clean heart. And, and this is important because when you read how Jonathan made his 
well known, he did not say to this armor bearer, let's go over. I think we can be victorious. I think, you know, we can, man, we could be the next great soldiers. We can win a great battle. You and I, man, we got what it takes. It wasn't all about him. He was saying, if God... It wasn't about, I'm going to go do this and conquer and win, you know. And I understand we do that in the world and, you know, rah, 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 and we're going to win and we're going to beat them and we're going to go forward and that's great to pump you up. And yet, that coach who makes $2 million a game has a reason for going rah, rah, rah. I'm not saying he doesn't care about his players, but let's also be honest. If he doesn't win, he doesn't make the big bucks. You understand? So, just to be fair, you say, oh, he loves this he loves us just wait till another team offers him more money huh anyway hallelujah all right having a clean heart a pure heart and I, I put here RSVPs anybody ever seen gotten an invitation with an RSVP on it that's French for responde s'il vous plaît. What does that mean? Please responde s'il vous plaît, s'il vous plaît, with if you please. Please respond. Please respond. Why do you say that? Because the Bible talks about many are called and few are chosen. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, he goes through about this guy, kingdom of heaven is like a king who made a marriage for his son, go ye. And he goes and he calls all of his friends and his friends don't come. And I know we, we've got weddings coming and you know, and we didn't send out invitations. We invited everybody. We didn't give an RSVP. But the point of it all is, if you get an invitation with an RSVP, basically they are expecting you to be a part of whatever it is. And if you say, I can't come, it's not a major slight, but it feels like if they have an RSVP that you've turned them down. Now we make announcements, come to the party, come to the get together, come to the whatever. And I'm sure nobody here has ever been offended because somebody didn't show up. I can't believe I went and bought them kid a present and they didn't even, that's probably never happened. But anyway, RSVP means I would like the favor 
of acknowledging whether or not you got this, whether or not you are going to respond, whether or not you are going to be there. And it's sort of a, you know, common courtesy to then say, sorry, I can't make it. I married a wife. Sorry, I can't make it. I bought a new brace of horses or oxen. Sorry, I can't make it. I bought a piece of property. I got to check it out. And that's what they did. Remember in the story? And so the king said, go out into the highways and byways. As many as you shall find, bring them into the marriage. Where this verse comes about many are called and few are chosen. They go out and they just start inviting people. Well, now this wedding was such that they provided a special garment when you got there. And people came in, took the clothes, put them on, acknowledged that they got them, came to the wedding feast. The king came in and there was a man that didn't have on the wedding garment. You remember what he did to him? said, bind him, cast him out, head to toe. There's weeping and wailing, and it's just a type of throwing him into Hades, the hell fire, torment. And that's when he then says, for many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen is not, and people say, well, you see, God predestinates. No! Many are called, few are chosen. You know why few are chosen? Because few respond to the invitation. He told this, this sentence came at the end of this parable, saying the king is trying to get people to come. And so when you look at Abraham and Moses and David and Jeremiah and Samson and Gideon, Simon, Peter, Paul, Timothy, you go on and on and on. So many of them said, oh, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. And yet he called them. And yet the Lord would deal with them, try to do his best to convince them. But, you know, we know Abraham, when in the original call, were there others that were called? I don't know. The Bible doesn't record all of those that were maybe attempted a call but what we know is that the Lord is wanting to for people to respond so when you realize that you know what having a heart for God means responding to the call of God and sometimes folks they don't want it they don't want to respond I, I don't want that I I wasn't raised that way I don't want to have to change my life I don't want to have to change I, I don't want I just want God to be something that I do one hour a week two hours a week every once in a while I don't want to have this total complete hundred percent heart change And I can't force that on people. You can't force that on people. And that's why somewhat people don't understand, but the reason why our church is not just like every other social group or church or whatever that you have is because this is not just something you do one day a week. 
two days a week, three meetings a week. It's not like the moose or the whatever, the kiwanis. It's not just something you go to. The Lord wants a complete transformation in us. And yet he will not force that. The Bible is very clear. I stand at the door and knock. And so a lot of people have a lot of fear as to why they can't do it. I, I am, I'm afraid I'll fail. I'm afraid I won't be able to make it. And then we're going to protect ourselves. And we know there's numerous stories. The three Hebrew boys versus Lot's wife, the children of Israel. When they came out of Egypt, and you remember, they, the Lord said, I want you to go in and possess the land, and I, we're afraid. We can't do it. What if we fail? What if, I, what if I start trying to live for God, and I can't make the change, and I can't do it, and, and, and I don't like it, and it requires more of me? Well, guess what? There, there's numerous people. Lot's wife, she, she could not leave the, the life that she had. She could not leave where she was, her children. I, I, I'm not trying to attack the lady, but what I want you to know is that, that here we are and, and, and yet you have people that were in the Bible that were like the three Hebrew boys who said, Lord, oh, Pharaoh, I mean uh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't know. We can't tell you whether we're going to be saved or not, whether we're going to make it through the fiery furnace, but one thing we do know God is able. And so when you have the heart for God, that you know what? I, I'm willing, I'm willing to whatever the Lord wants. And, and the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And, and I don't, you remember, I mean, the, Moses goes up into the mountain. There's a lot of earthquakes and fire and rocks and things fall. And these people have just seen ten plagues. They just walked through a wall of water in the Red Sea. Huh? And Moses says, just everybody chill out right here. I'm going up to talk to God. And he's not gone but a few days. And they're dancing around a golden idol. Then they get to Kadesh Barnea and they go, the Lord gives them a clear direction. Go in, I'll be with you, take the land. This is the same folks that walked through a wall of water. Same folks that watched, heard the cries of the death angel. Same folks that watched frogs and flies and boils. And a family of giants scared them. And they go, we can't go in there. You would think it would have impacted their heart, what they have seen. You would think people, the miracles that we have seen in and around the church, that people would be huh, lined up out and around the block just the fact that he's healed a couple of folks from cancer, preserved lives. Amen. Oh, he didn't heal everybody. Yep. You know what? The ones that he has, powerful miracles. 
Brother, I can go through, Brother Raymond Clark. I, I mean, you can go up and down the list. You would think folks would be lined up everywhere. Huh? Oh, I know about y'all. Y'all are crazy. You make us do everything different and be different and live different. and You let the Lord just mess up your life. Well, we know that the Lord wants to totally change us. Jesus Himself said, Remember Lot's wife? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall... Whosoever shall lose his life in another place for my sake shall serve it, save it. That's a... A, a hard thing to grasp. And yet, and I mentioned John, the sixth chapter, Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting women, children, so there could have been 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people. They're a great crowd. And the, the, the people that were there said, uh, this is of truth the prophet that should come into the world. If I went out of here tomorrow night and 5,000 people, oh, let's, let's just double it. 10,000 people were waiting in the parking lot and said, we want to be a believer. We know who you are. I would say, call the Pentecostal Herald. We need an article about how fantastic a revival we're having. is printing it in the I'm just saying we would be going my Lord look at this Jesus went and hid why because he knew the motive they came following him he hid he got in a boat went across tried to get away from them and here they show up I don't know if all 15,000, all 10,000, or if there was only 5,000, but whatever it was, it was a big number. And Jesus looks at him, and do you know what he does? Yes. Y'all are believing the gospel of truth. You know who I am. Next slide. That's not what he says. He says... Oh, by the way, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. And they go, this guy is a cannibal. This is horrible. He's lost it. And kind of amazing He's making it very easy on them to leave, but hard to stay. In your maturing process with the Lord, every one of us come to a place where it's easy to leave. And you have to make that decision. I don't care what anybody else does what anybody else says, what anybody else thinks, 
what my family died. I'm going to live for God all the way. No matter what anybody else does. You can take the easy way out and say, no, I just want a place to go on Sunday morning. Or you can say, you know what? And they started drifting away. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, will you also go away? And Simon Peter said, well, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou alone hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, what Simon says is, we don't have anyone else to trust. We have no one else, where else to go, no one else to listen to. We are totally dependent on you. That last line, that's why I said, people that worry about paying tithes have missed the whole point of all of this. God's not asking for your 10%. He's asking for 100%. He gives you, 10, he gives you 90% back. Everything you have has to belong to God at some point in your life. You've got to reach a point, not my. And if you never reach that point, that's when you have... You know, the old saying, if you live for God hard, it becomes easy. If you live for God, I'm going to just go every once in a while. Just, huh? You'll struggle. And well, I don't want to go nuts. I'm sorry. He said, love me with all your, all your, all your mind, heart, soul, strength. If you don't have that part down, so well, I, I, it's a nice club, I, you know. Let me tell you something. When you respond to the call and say, Lord, I want to live for you, and you say, many are called, few are chosen, and you really say, I want to be on that team then it's 100% get ready to be set apart. That's why some folks struggle with, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't think you have to do this and you have to do that and I don't think this is wrong and that's wrong. And you just struggle with so much. And, and, and I, you know, at some point you've just got to say, Lord, whatever it is, Show me, I want to be open to your word, open to your, talk to me. I think I told you many years ago when a, a young lady in our church in Arkansas came to me and said, Pastor, I, I think the Lord wants me not to drink Diet Coke. And I like Diet Coke. And I thought, oh, I wonder where this is going. She said, I really believe the Lord doesn't want me to drink Diet Coke. I said, okay, do you feel, and I don't remember, she might have been 35 years old or 30. I don't remember how old she was. Uh, do you think this 
new revelation is for everybody. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I went to the doctor the other day and he said I have, you know, high blood pressure and he went through what I'm eating and on my diet and, and I drink probably a case and a half or so a day. I said, you know what? Probably the Lord told you that. Been making a law for the rest of us. Thank the Lord. I confess, I went out and had two that night just because I felt bad for her. What are you saying? The Lord wants to get into our business. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't want to be set apart. I don't want God to... <clears throat> what was amazing, another time, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones to stone Him. He had just performed all these miracles. And the people were so excited. He was performing a miracle. And then He would just come back and say something that would just make them mad. And they took up stones to stone him. And Jesus said to him, he asked him, he said, okay, you believe that I'm doing works, good works that are from God. And yet, why are you going to stone me for healing the blind and unstopping deaf ears and whatever this is? And they said, oh, we're not stoning you for the good that you're doing. We're stoning you because you're blasphemous. Isn't that amazing how people can overlook all the good and find one thing? Not us. I'm talking about Bible times. And he said, they said, Thou being a man, dost make thyself God. And so Jesus begins quoting Psalms, the 82nd chapter, where it says, you know, behold, you are gods, but I am going to, you're going to die like men. And he says these words, if I do not the works of my father, you don't believe me. In other words, if I couldn't perform a miracle, you would say you don't believe me. Because he doesn't have any authority or power. And if I do those works, yet you don't believe me for my works, but yet you believe that the Father is in me and I in him, therefore they again sought to take him and he had to escape out of, out of their midst. He was like, if I say something you don't, you know. And another place he went through the whole thing. He said, John the Baptist came and he was... He did one thing and he was, you know, you didn't like that. And then because he was, he was depressing and ate, you know, <clears throat> locusts and wild honey and lived in the wilderness. And now I'm coming and you're saying I'm eating with sinners and like, if you want to find fault, folks, you can do it. You can do it. Any group, any people, anywhere. 
And and I and and th- let me explain something to you. I, I'm not I'm not saying our church is perfect by any means. I'm not saying any other church is not wonderful. And I, I, but what I'm saying to you is, if you're not careful, the enemy will sow seeds and destroy your heart through the whole process. I've seen people that cannot ever get rooted because something's always offending them. They can't, they, you know, they la- it's like the story. They sprout up for a while. Then persecution. Something happens. And yet, you know, Jesus prayed, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. Set them apart. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I send them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. What are you saying? If the Lord had that, sometimes what I'm doing is not just for me, it's for my children, my grandchildren, for somebody else that I see. You say, well, I can handle it. Great. Can the next generation, where are they going to take it? We've seen it in our lifetime. Some of those crazy things that, you know, talked about how we dress and how we look and what we do. And now we've got a, a culture and a society that doesn't know. I, I, I go with my grandchildren the other day and we went through a McDonald's and Siobhan says was that a boy or a girl I said don't ask me Siobhan huh I said I'm sorry honey I have no idea and I don't I I didn't say thank you ma'am thank you sir I I being critical I'm just simply telling you we got a world today that has no boundaries has no lines nothing is off base and if you say something about boundaries or lines then you're huh you'll be banned we may have to cut that out of the tape I don't know I'm trying not I hope not And I understand our job is to follow peace with all men. But notice what the verse says. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Still doing what is right. That word follow in that sentence, it says without which no man shall see the Lord. That word follow is dioko which means persecute. It actually is the same word when it said, blessed are they that are persecuted. And that word follow is persecute peace with all men. You know what it means? Is it means to follow with intensity, to pursue. It's not just, oh, well, like you're following a rabbit. I don't want to get too close. I don't want to, huh? Not like turkey hunting and you're following the trail of a 
It means go after it with vigor, peace, and holiness. Why? Because, as I mentioned the other night, <clears throat> Sunday night, we are made in His image and His likeness. And how we say to, you know, a baby, oh, they look like us, they look like our family, oh, that's the, that's the showstrand eyes, the nose, the, the cheekbones, the hands. We had a family in our church in Arkansas that had this huge thumb. And it was from a Maori tribe in New Zealand. They had had somebody that went back and they had looked like they'd had their finger, thumb smashed with a hammer. And all the babies would have that big thumb out there. I don't know what gene it was, but it came through from New Zealand. What are you saying? There, oh, that's the identifying mark. I wonder how many times the Lord says, angels, look down there. They're going through it, but they're still loving me. They're still praising me. They're still... Hallelujah. They're still worshiping. That's my children down there. Oh, don't they look good? That's why he said, be ye holy for I am holy. It's not for us. Not because of who we are. That was in Leviticus 11 chapter, the 19th chapter, the 20th chapter. We're not doing it for us. We're doing it to be like him. Simon Peter said in the New Testament, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. So how you talk, I can just talk about anybody I want. I can say anything I want. I can do whatever. Oh. Sometimes I chew my tongue. Huh? I just let them have it. I gave them a piece of my mind. I wonder if Jesus would have just ever let folks have it. Lightning fired from his fingertips. Huh? Oh, hallelujah. One more slide and I'm going to stop. Psalms 86 chapter. David said it like this. Teach me your way, O Lord. This is all about being set apart. If you're going to have a heart for God, you're going to have to let Him set you apart make you a new creature that I may walk and live in your truth direct and unite my heart solely this is the amplified classic solely reverently to fear and honor your name I will confess and praise you O Lord my God with my whole united heart and I will greatly I will glorify your name forevermore what are you saying? David understood it in the Old Testament. It's interesting, and I just put this verse here, and it, when Jesus called His disciples, you know what He did first? He went up into a mountain Himself and prayed. Then He calls those to come. They came. He ordained twelve. And the first phrase it says in Mark is that they should be with Him. Then that they might be sent out to preach. And then finally, that they would have the power to heal and to cast out devils. What are you saying? As we 
are solely with the Lord. And I mean this very sincerely. Our ladies and ladies' prayer and individuals and people that are living for God and struggling through. That's why we have the power of God fall and somebody be healed. Not because I prayed for them or I baptized them. Or anything about that. It's because people have been set apart. You say, well, why do I need to live for God like that? Everybody else is getting by. Somebody is going to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth. I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. Is that all I'm only asking? Ooh. Give me a heart for you, Lord.